Outkick 360 is back alongside Chad Withrow and Paula Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Jacob Swanson, Lance Lee, David Reed is the chairman of the board making the show happen for us. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate that. If you're not watching on YouTube, a reminder, the new YouTube channel is available. Just search out Outkick 360. And if you have an Amazon de device, you can ask Alexa to search Outkick 360 on YouTube. The show will play automatically. If you're watching on Twitter, give us a retweet, a share on Facebook. Gentlemen, back for another week of the show on the Outkick Network. Ready to go. Hope you're doing well. They let us back, which is a positive, and we are ready to rock and roll. Spring is in the air, and uh, big spring sporting events in the air that we're going to be talking a lot about this week. Well, Paul, how was your weekend? I had a good weekend. Some good baseball uh, out in uh, close to home, finally. I didn't have to commute uh, 40 or 50 minutes to kids' baseball. Got a little sunburn, red, uh, redneck Kuharski. As they call Steve me. Spurrier would be proud, is what you're saying. Pitch and kick, yeah, a little burn, kick. little burn. And uh, so it, it was fun. Uh, got some things done around the house finally, and uh, anxious to live vicariously through Hutton with this wedding talk that he's given us from his trip. To another Hutton. wedding, another weekend, another wedding for the Hutton. It's like every weekend is a different version of a royal wedding for Hutton with some of the festive wedding affairs that you've attended so far this summer. These two you had this summer one this top it. So. So this was more of a anniversary party than a wedding. So congratulations to to Michael and Kelsey Wallace. Congratulations. Uh, married over last year, last summer, and then you better believe they still scheduled the party as, as soon as they could. So this was the greatest one year anniversary party I've ever attended in my life. It was awesome down at in, in Georgia at the Atlanta Athletic Club. My first time going. Uh, for those that are familiar with the show, Austin Price of AllQuest references the AAC quite a bit in his travels. It's it's worth the hype. Uh, very, very cool. I had no idea it was actually three courses. I was just expecting one giant golf course. You pull up, you know, you have the gated entry, you have you know, the guard that's looking for the list. I mean, when you pull up, you know, okay, this is going to be cool. And then you walk into this facility. It was built in like 2014, I think they were saying, something like that, or renovated to, to the max. Uh, we're going. That's we're going. I've already mentioned Outkick 360. A couple of the bartenders watch the show, which is cool. Hello uh, to those so bartenders. Shout out to the AAC. Cheers. Right That's right. Yes, and uh, and we, I love a nice old fashioned. If you're listening, what was the we're, name we're of the drink there. that you were? Uh, the transfusion. The transfusion. The transfusion. Initially, the Hutton thought they were actually asking about a transfusion. So we walked it. it we were doing photos uh, with the family, and. Uh, Danny comes up, the, Danny and Scott, the two members, come up. They're like, hey, let me go show you around. These guys, we're, we're still waiting on a couple people during the photos. So we get lost and go take the tour. And as we're walking in, one of the, one of the guys inside was like, hey, Danny, would you like a transfusion? And I thought, like, for whatever, I'd never heard of this. You thought this was real, like, I, rich people stuff. Yes. We're going yeah. to get a banana bag and an IV and we're going to be good to go for the I night. Thought it, I, did. I thought it was the, a lot like the, the IV center where you, they show yeah. up and you you know, you know get rid of your hangover. There was one Michael across Douglas the and Wall old, Street was getting a transfusion, I believe, when they walked there in the There was one across the street from our old station. <laughs> yeah. Short-lived. Yeah. Yeah. The hydration It's now station. an Indian restaurant, I think. Uh, I, I didn't realize <laughs> pretty quickly it was a drink that, uh, that will become our favorite drink. <laughs> what was higher-level security? This event or Jerry Jones Hall of Fame party? That you guys attended, oh, because both were um, on a golf course. Invitation, and you're, the, the look of this party 
and some of the pictures I saw reminded me of the Jerry Jones party you guys okay. had to explain to me because I wasn't there. The Jerry Jones party had more security um, because you actually had to take a you took a golf cart driven by Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders to like you're in the middle of a golf course. They rented a fairway and put the tent on the fairway. This was just a clubhouse. So once you got in the clubhouse, you're in. No questions asked. You made it through security, you're in. You're on the grounds. So the, the Jerry Jones party was higher level because you had different levels of that course you could access. And Paul, because he's a Hall of Fame selector, he had the golden band. We got everywhere we wanted to go that night. Can you imagine being Jerry Jones and getting to a point in life where you're not even going to a party unless it's that as the bare minimum, right? I don't think that Jerry right. Jones is showing up to a barbecue at someone's house. He's only doing something if it's that level of pomp and circumstance and the party is that well executed. Must be nice. Also, I mean, security at this thing, you got to keep in mind, like Justin Timberlake is there. Yeah, playing. So yeah. The, star, A little bit different. the star power uh, wasn't. Was Jared Justin Jones. Bieber at this wedding or this one year anniversary? The Atlanta All Stars were the band. The Atlanta um, All Stars. Yeah. Well, you got. Did you dance? No. So I, I watched. Did I watched Claire a lot dance? of people dance. Uh, Claire said she felt like she'd been in a fight the next morning because she she danced for three straight. Hours. <laughs> she went ten rounds. <laughs> she went ten rounds. Yeah. <laughs> she lasted longer than that dude in the fight at the ballpark last week. <laughs> <laughs> Way that's, longer. That's not tough. <laughs> Willing to bet that guy felt worse than her, though. Even may, yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, Chad, you get in any fights like that at your ballpark this weekend? No, we did not. Um, I will say <laughs> the T-ball coaching, uh, it was a pretty encouraging game on Saturday. We lost, but to a very good team. And uh, our girls listened for the most part. There weren't any huge gaffes that I can remember. I went on Clay Travis's Outkick Morning Show this morning, and it turned into a 20-minute segment of us trading Little League coaching horror stories. And Clay had some pretty funny ones about coaching his 10-year-old son. When you coach five- and six-year-old girls, yeah. it's just so different. I think the, the comedy comes from parents watching my inability to not emotionally respond to things that go wrong, even when I'm trying not to. I'm always positive with the girls. You know, every time I get on to them a little bit, I always end with something positive and encouraging and tell them good job and to keep listening. But it's impossible to hide those negative reactions at times when things don't go your way. So uh, I don't have kids, don't, don't have the, the Little League uh, weekends, but I do have a nephew that is Simon's age, Paul's son's age, who is now to the age where I feel like I can watch and have fun watching and not get frustrated with not him, but with certain teammates or coaches or parents. Like I, I feel like when, there's an age group that if you just grin and bear it for a couple of years, then you, you, you're over on the other side of the hill. You reach the top of the hill and you're on your way down with better play. The kids who are there want to be there. They're not just trying it out. They're athletic enough to, to play the well, sport. They, they know what winning and losing means. And they know what they yeah. need to do. I think that's the biggest difference. What age Paul, you, is that? Like you've got a son nine? at that age yeah. where they know what to do, and they know the difference between winning and losing. So once they know the rules and you get to that point, yeah. it makes it a lot easier. Here's what I can never fathom. Just coaching one daughter right now. We also have a soon-to-be two-year-old daughter, so there's going to come a time where they're both going to have games in the same park on the same day. 
and then there may be one parent with one and another parent with the other. These parents who have three to four kids, all of it's Little tough. League age. Now, Hutton, that is a Little League weekend that I can't fathom. We're doing one game on Saturday, and we got the little one there with us, and then we're doing a game or two during the week. Not that big of a deal. The coach of the team we were playing this weekend kept asking when the game was going to end and what the clock said because he had to go coach his other daughter <laughs> in another game close by. So they were trying to get off the field and T-ball to go coach 10, 11-year-old softball or whatever it was at that time. Imagine being a parent of multiple kids playing. Now imagine being the head coach of multiple teams of both of those teams. that your kids are on and, and having to shift gears immediately from that to another one. Uh, I applaud the parents out there that are willing to do that and be the head coach of multiple squads. A lot of juggling. And if you, when you start traveling, you get spread out, uh, get spread thin. Our lesson this weekend, uh, Sunday, uh, when, when Simon's team actually got a bye and into a favorable bracket, uh, was about an individual very solid performance and a poor team result. <laughs> Simon ripped a couple singles, had a couple good catches, threw a decent inning, but uh, they, they wound up losing badly. So he's feeling good about himself, feeling bad about what the, what the team did. Are you excited that he's upset when they lose? I yeah, be. I mean, he's always, he's always been up, up good. you know. Uh, he's upset when they lose, but he feels good about what he was able to do, you know, especially when it's building on top of what he didn't do on Saturday. So he comes back from Saturday, you know, when he maybe struck out and yeah. didn't have a great at-bat, puts together two really good at-bats, you know. So you, 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 know. you may think I'm a psychopath, but I'm already predicting the time when I'm going to be upset that my daughter's not more upset that she lost, yeah. that she's going to be so quickly shifting gears from ball-playing hat to, to go to Dairy Queen and get ice cream hat and not care at all about losing the game. Now it's fine because yeah. we have to tell them who's winning. They're, they're, they don't know what side of the scoreboard they're on. It's okay. But a few years from now, if there's not a level of being upset about losing, it's going to upset Dad. Well, you'll have her trained. She'll, she'll know it's going to upset Dad, so she'll fake it at the very she's least. She's a withrow. She's going to keep score even though there's not a scoreboard. We'll find out. She's quite intense already at five years old, so hopefully that's going to be the case. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is the website for some great odds. Weekend in review from FanDuel for us. As you see, if you've never tried FanDuel, you can try FanDuel Sportsbook, and if you strike out on your first bet, you can get up to $1,000 back insight credit to reuse. You opt in by making your first deposit at FanDuel Sportsbook. I hit, my biggest hit of the weekend was on UFC 262. Uh, not the co-main, but I think the, uh, the third or fourth fight of the actual pay-per-view. Barbosa uh, ended the fight with Shane Burgos. FanDuel was offering plus 200 odds on that fight ending in a, in a knockout or by submission. Um, and not going the distance, which that was free money. No matter who wins. No matter who won. They were giving plus 200 odds on uh, a, 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 knockout. A, a knockout. And the fight ended in the second round. So that was my biggest win of the weekend. Uh, I also won against the Braves. I forgot I took this bet on Friday at the very end of the betting Saturday. Uh, just took the money line and uh, won that action. Won a, you won took a big, the Braves. Well, I took the Braves and won $10. So I knew that this was big ten dollar win. This is what they refer to as hedging your happiness when it's your team. <laughs> I just knew with my recent gambling luck that if I bet on the on the Brewers to win Friday night, the Braves would win the game. 
I just knew that betting the Brewers' money line, I would lose the bet, but the Braves would win. Did the same thing on Saturday, and I'm saying, watch, the Braves are going to go out and win Saturday. Sure enough, they did. Did the same thing on Sunday, and I won the bet, but the Braves lost the game. But it brought an end to my losing streak at FanDuel, which was a good thing, a positive development. I uh, I bet strikeouts. I love the K props. So I bet strikeouts strikeouts. last night uh, for your uh, your Braves. Is it Yanoa? Yanoa, yes. I like to call him Yanoa. Don't you know? It was it was five and a half. He <laughs> struck out. Refer to him that way. He struck out six, and I think it was only four and a third, or four and two thirds. Uh, and I I won on that. Was this yesterday? Whenever it was ten to nine, the final score it was eight nothing it at was one point. Eight nothing. Braves scored seven. Freddie Freeman hit a grand slam to make it seven in the seventh. And then the Braves bullpen did exactly what they normally do, and they collapsed after that. And the Braves ended up losing, I think, ten to nine, uh, where they had runners on with two outs in the ninth, but. A very eventful 10-9 loss. I had a couple different arrangements on uh, the FA Cup on, uh, on Saturday that did not work out for me and for Chelsea. Yeah, I'm mad at soccer right now. Not enough ties. <laughs> I need more draws in soccer. Too many finishes. Yeah, too many winners happening. Um, <laughs> winners in soccer equals loser for me because my soccer play is just to go and bet that it's going to tie. Especially when it's long odds, I like to go in and bet the tie on these uh, English Premier League soccer matches, and that has not been paying off lately. Uh, the NBA play-in matchups are set to begin tomorrow. Uh, Major League Baseball, great odds there at FanDuel. Uh, NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs have already started. The Preds play later this evening. We will preview that game against Carolina and much more in the Tennessee Power Hour. NFL mini camps for rookies. Uh, that happened across, uh, across the league. Uh, it's lacking one big element of an NFL offseason. We'll, we'll, we'll just explain and describe w- what we mean by the NFL actually missing something, actually lacking in an area. That's coming up as well. Uh, and a lot to get to with Chad mentioned the spring sports are in full swing now. Um, you've got the playoffs starting, which is a great time to, to jump in on FanDuel. Hit us up on Twitter as well, at Outkick360. A lot to discuss today. Headlines from the weekend straight ahead on the Outkick Network. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. And if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for subscribing to the new YouTube channel. Outkick 360 there. Uh, Also streaming on the Outkick channel, but we are moving things to our own platform there for the daily stream, for the daily show, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We hope you'll ring that bell so that you get all of the alerts anytime we go live and anytime we post new content. Outkick 360 on YouTube. The NBA debuting their play-in format. The 7 and 8 seed, the 9 and 10 seed. They will square off to determine the overall seeding for the NBA playoffs. It has led to some intrigue at the end of the regular season for the NBA, not just for the bottom part of the bracket, but the Clippers lost two, lost back-to-back games um, to two of the worst teams in the league to end their season, which now means they will avoid the Lakers as long as the Lakers continue to play. They'll avoid the Lakers all the way to the conference finals. So there's been some some pairing and some matchups throughout this to, to end the NBA regular season. Were they half <clears throat> were they no, half hearted about it? I, I 
I just I, it, I saw reporters joking about it. Like they the Clippers were, have done it. The Clippers have done it. They've avoided the Lakers. They were half-hearted about it. They were tanking uh, to avoid the Lakers, which is probably a smart strategy play by them. Um, I I'm a little bit more into this than I thought I would be, and uh, I, a lot of it was watching Grizzlies. Uh, Grizzlies Warriors yesterday with that game to decide eight versus nine or who was going to be the eight or nine seed. I have a theory on this in, in the West. Um, for those that don't know, it's a little bit confusing because it's not just two normal play-in games. It's not sudden death. Well, let's show the graphic not, and, and we'll explain this and, and what gets started tomorrow. Yes. So seven versus eight. The winner of that game automatically advances to the main tournament. They will be the seven seed. This is both East and West. The same rules apply to both. The loser of that game will play the winner of the 9 versus 10 game. Loser of 9 versus 10 is out. It's one and done in that game. That is an actual NCAA tournament, March Madness type game. Winner advances to another game. Loser is out. But the winner of the 9-10 game will then play the loser of the 7-8 game. The winner of that game will then get the 8 seed. And so the loser of that is also out. Correct. Yes. What you're looking at here, at the top in red, ninth and 10th place in the West, that's Grizzlies Spurs. Uh, the winner advances to take on the loser of Lakers Warriors in the 7-8 game. Uh, the winner of Lakers Warriors advances to the 7 seed uh, overall. In the East, I like it. It uh, creates the way it's set up right now uh, for the play-in teams, the Celtics and Wizards are the 7-8, and eight, the Pacers and Hornets are the 9-10. and 10. Here's my theory on this. Uh, the NBA ratings have been terrible. Uh, there's no denying that. And the intrigue and, and the build for this is Steph Curry and the Warriors facing LeBron James and the Lakers. Th- no one is going to be as hyped up to watch the Celtics and Wizards. Everyone's talking about this play-in matchup because it's the Lakers and the Warriors, Steph Curry and LeBron James. Yeah, that's a, that's big. That's what it comes down to. That's big. You'd much rather have it be a seven-game series. That's big, but what does that get you? Yeah, get you one well, here's, night of good rating. Here is and where, then one of them is going to potentially disappear. Well, here's where the fixes-in people crowd will start to, to bemoan the NBA. And granted, it's the, they're the 7-8 team, so the odds should be stacked in their favor to advance. But I'm going to be shocked from a ratings perspective if don't. both the Warriors and the Lakers don't advance into the main tournament and get another series. The Lakers will win the play-in game. They'll get the 7 seed. So then they would take on Phoenix in round one. The Warriors will lose to the Lakers. Then they're going to come out and beat whoever wins that game. Memphis uh, Between Antonio. Memphis. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Th- you're going to get both Steph Curry and LeBron James in the main playoffs. I would be shocked if that doesn't happen. Now, for the fixes in crowd with the NBA, you want to win some respect from the fans, but it's not necessarily good for the bottom line because it could affect ratings. If the Lakers and Warriors are out, or not the, sorry, they both can't be out. If one of those two are out, especially the Lakers, if they were to lose the Warriors and then lose another game, well, that would lend some credence to the league and say, we're legit. This, the, the Lakers actually lost because there's a lot of conspiracy theorists saying there's no way the league will allow the Lakers to lose if it's close at all. So there's going to be calls from Adam Silver to make sure they get in. Just on officiating? The NBA I mean, that's is a all they're weird controlling. game to watch in that it just feels like at the end of the game the players can create whatever narrative they want 
when you can challenge common foul calls in the game and have it reversed, and then you can just call a dead ball timeout and get it at half court, I like that for end-of-game shot scenarios, but it just feels like you're moving the rules and parameters of the game to set up for one team to succeed as opposed to the other. So, look, I, I, I fully believe it'll be Lakers and Warriors that advance to the main tournament, and that's probably good. That's not probably. It is good for the NBA's bottom line and for ratings. But I do think that there would be a certain level of respect I would have for the NBA if the Lakers lost too, and LeBron wasn't even in the main playoffs. Well, here's another thing that'd be good for the NBA, frankly. So if we're if we're buying that the NBA is is pushing for things that would help it, the, and the Nets are the number two seed, and obviously very good. The Knicks are a four seed and have been resurgent, you know, and are good, not great. Knicks in particular being good and going far would help the NBA. The Nets certainly with their star power. Yeah, the state going, of New York, they have either two, one of those two teams with home going, court advantage. To yes, going far helps the NBA. And the Knicks in particular have not yes. been good in a long time. The Knicks being good, we talk about certain teams being good, being good for their league. Knicks are one of those teams. It's been an eternity for the Knicks. We're talking the Patrick Ewing Knicks. Them being good is good for the league. And Knicks or Nets going far is good for the NBA. Just in terms of the eyeballs that are going to be on, New York City eyeballs on the NBA is going to up the rating. Well, it's It's a real test to the star treatment of the NBA. The NBA is a star-driven league, and you need stars to sell. Are people lining up to watch Julius Randle? Not yet. And the Knicks? See, no. this is team versus stars. Yeah. Derrick Rose is past his prime. Julius Randle is the star of the Knicks. R.J. Barrett's going to be a really good player. They're a good team to watch, but they don't but have the star. But it's the Knicks. Power. Nets have the star. Right, power. it's the market. But th- this is where team versus star it's comes into conflict. Contract. Because I'm interested in the Knicks because they haven't been good in so long. But if I'm going to tune in to watch a game, I'm probably going to watch Giannis and the Bucks over the Knicks for the star power, even though it's Milwaukee versus Manhattan in terms of market. You're certainly going to watch the Nets. I think it would be great for the league for people to be interested in the Knicks because that is a major market team with some history that it's good for the league if they're good, but it's also a team that lacks star power. Well, some of those guys could become stars in the playoff playoff run. But the Nets are the star power team, right? Here's the biggest question. No, Kyrie Irving's not particularly interested in basketball. Who's the common fan that with no rooting interest in team? Who's the common average fan rooting for individually? The NBA is a a league of star power, as as Chad's uh, alluding to. Other than Steph Curry, who are you rooting for? Steph Curry is likable. Who, who is the who's, who's the hero? Chad, you brought this up. The Giannis. NBA needs a hero. Other than Steph Curry, who is it? Who's the hero of this league? Because everyone is hated. Steph Curry became. It's not um, LeBron. Yeah. It's not Durant. LeBron I mean, is is now as divisive of a uh, sports superstar as you're going to find. So it's definitely not him. Um, they don't have clearly. We could always go back to Michael Jordan and say they haven't had Michael Jordan since Michael Jordan was in the league, but they just don't have... Hutton, when we started getting back in the NBA, what was the reason? It was the plucky, upstart, high-scoring Golden State Warriors. They became a hero. 
with Steph Curry. But even Steph LeBron Curry, James has been the hero. When yes. he went back to Cleveland, he was the hero. The NBA doesn't have that guy right now, other than Curry, who's bringing the Warriors back to the postseason and winning the scoring title Can again. Milwaukee be that team? Is, is he, Giannis, got that? Giannis is extremely likable. I mean, he yeah. would be on my list. Yeah, he would be. He if would be he, close if, to the top of the list. If they take off, maybe people get into that storyline. But they're not into that storyline at the start. I don't. I don't feel like right. Well, if, if so they get going, we've maybe you get on board. We've had this discussion. Look, we're a show that has an enemies list for God's sake. So we understand the need for a villain and the need for uh, an adversary in sports. And that that is a uniting factor in all sports that are successful. But it's got to be a villain. You got to have someone that you right. hate. Villain to right? somebody. But this is the problem with the NBA. Everyone hates everyone in the NBA now. There's not. I never thought we'd get into an issue with a league where there's not a good guy to root for. That's you know this is the this is the team you want to win. John Elway, boy, everybody could get behind John Elway winning his first Super Bowl. When he was making his run, you go through it. There's always that good guy story, and I'm not saying the NBA is filled with nothing but villains. But in terms of public interest, Steph Curry's won titles. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a good story. He's going to win the MVP. He's the second man ever to win a scoring title past his 33rd birthday. The other one, oh by the way, is Michael Jordan. So people are going to root for Steph Curry, but I don't, I don't see that one uniting star that it's their time to win a title. Or the team that, boy, they've been knocking on the door, and now it's time to win the title. Look at the top seeds in the playoffs. The Utah Jazz? The Phoenix Suns? Anyone heroic on these teams that I need to be getting behind? Maybe there are, and I'm missing the boat. The Philadelphia 76ers? Is that a roster that inspires a unifying (laughs) moment of sports fans everywhere to... Damn it! The Sixers got to win it this year. It's their year. It's going to happen. How about I just Westbrook? Don't see it. Maybe like if if the oh, Wizards Westbrook do is something. not a likable dude. Well, the, he is the, a malcontent that had a huge attitude problem that's worked his way out of every good making situation. Making forty-one million this year. Selfish. Uh, statistically, he's interesting because of the triple. Double. Yeah, he can do but it again, all. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's plenty of guys statistically. I mean, Carmelo Anthony statistically. Uh, was it was a great player, but I don't know that many people are rooting for Carmelo Anthony, who's uh, never seen a shot he doesn't like. The so Wizards are an example of, just... of a team like the Knicks. You root for like it, I, I don't know if it, they have villains, uh, meaning right. like we're not gravitating to root for them to win a title. But they were at one point like eight and fourteen overall. Yeah, and uh, I saw the one of the sports books put out that uh, someone put ten thousand dollars back in February on the Wizards to win the title. That wager will win that person five million. That was the odds against the Wizards to win a title, and now they're among the top teams in the league. I don't want quickly g- they turn things. I don't want to get big into the storyline because the storyline annoys the crap out of me. But I think we're hitting here on on uh, on the lack of hero, and I I just listen. I've said for you, I don't think the product is that good. It's not that compelling to me. And so in this overwhelming conversation about the ratings being down, the people who want to talk about the wokeness killing them miss this. It's a huge problem. They have not missed it. It's definitely a part of it. It's a huge issue for them. Hutton, I'm saying it's a part of it. But they fail to mention that the quality of the product isn't good and that the hero stuff isn't good. How many years, though, Paul, have I been saying that you can tune into the final three minutes of the the NBA Uh, and get your game? I've said it forever. And all of a sudden the ratings are are bad? All of a sudden the the quality's down? And then, I mean, I don't. Here, here's where I would go. With, I think plenty of people like me have turned off the NBA because it's not interesting. 
And there were not plenty of people of unlike you who are still yeah. watching that no longer do. I, I agree. I think there's a lot of people on, on both ends of that. And it, it is an issue. And I would say this, Paul, to your thing about the quality of the game is down. Uh, how much does the wokeness contribute to the quality of the game being down? Because players aren't getting worse. No, they're not. But they're getting better. You mentioned Kyrie Irving doesn't seem to be interested in playing basketball. I could say that about LeBron James at times based on things that he seems more interested in. There's a lot of, you know, this happened in this city, so we're not playing for the next week. What? No, there hasn't been any of that this <laughs> year. But, I mean, you, there's, there's times where that happens, right? So what, why do you think the quality of the game's down? I just, I mean, I, could I, that I, be a contributing factor to it? No, because it's but you don't it's think not, Ky, you said Kyrie Irving's not interested in playing basketball. It's not been good for a long time. It's not been good. Bas- NBA basketball to me has not been a compelling. But then product why did for the ratings just suddenly go down as, as steeply as that? I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't, I don't think it's NBA. gotten. I don't think it's gotten. I'll, I'll say this way. I don't think the quality of the game has gotten that much drastically worse to contribute to it over the last year. I do think that while not a factor for everyone, you're right there. It is a factor for a lot of people that like sports that would have watched the NBA. Otherwise. I'm merely saying the people I know who stopped watching the NBA have watched have stopped a good while ago, and they stopped because well, the marketplace became filled with a lot of people, other options Paul, to go to Netflix and whatever, and they decided it's my not sporting just about landscape Netflix. The, the is going to include fewer 34 percent. People uh, are referencing the 34 percent drop in viewership, and you think it's just because the product is is worse? I, I, Again, I, the final I, three minutes has been a, a, been a theme of me since we've been decline. together doing a show. I, I, and I say the wokeness is, is an ingredient of it. But I keep reading, especially at our site, that that's all it is. It went woke and people turned it off. And they're not acknowledging that the game is a boring game. It's I, not very exciting. I, I, and that's why I've turned it off. And that's why a lot of people have turned it off. And I don't think it got boring because it went woke. I don't know what else would contribute to that steep of a drop, though, uh, other than that. The, the NBA, well, to me, it's been boring for 20 years. I know, but, the, the but, but Paul, it's a league based on stars. Yep. And if everyone could get behind the, the star of the league, it, people will watch. Well, part of the that's part proven of it that is that, that, is that when, LeBron when LeBron was a hero, go look at those finals. Well, he went west. That was part of it. We agreed on this when it happened. That that the star I'm doing power like the LeBron shift, James. The star <laughs> the power shift. The diff right now as I talk to you. <laughs> the star power shift west hurt them. The Lakers being on. Uh, late for the East Coast is a bad shift. For They're the on in prime time every weekend and because Steph of the Curry. Lakers. And Steph Curry being West Coast. Again, the Warriors had no problems getting ratings four or five years ago. Massive ratings. And now it's it's been a, a But a it's still drop. a 10 o'clock game on the East Coast. Now They I, need an East Coast I'll, balance. I'll concede, Wouldn't you agree? The I'll East Coast star this. ratio is down. Yes, but it's it was down. I mean, other than LeBron James and Cleveland, it was down there too, and you still had. I mean, Sunday afternoon they're tipping off at three o'clock. Again, Sunday afternoon, but what about Tuesday? That's night? the national broadcast. Oh, when the Lakers, TNT, they're tipping off at nine p.m. When Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal were on the Lakers, were we saying, you know, the league's got a real issue with those West Coast tip times? No, with those guys being there. When Magic Johnson was on the Lakers and the Showtime teams, boy, you know, if the Lakers were in the Central Time Zone, it would really help. That is a banner franchise in the league. I'll concede your point on this. I think a lot of the people complaining about wokeness in the NBA aren't watching the NBA anyways. So the main, the loudest people about it weren't watching the last five years regardless. But you have to start to pinpoint why something declines so steeply when other major sports don't. We're not seeing that big of a drop in baseball, right? We're not seeing 34% ratings drops in other sports. So 
If you can pinpoint the reason other than it got 34% worse in the last two years, well, I, I don't think, think it's, it's a, a fact. I think it's a combination of, of, of reasons. And wokeness being one of them. I, I said from the start, it's one of them. But okay. I keep reading stuff, particularly at our site, that that's it. And that's not it. Let's mention our site, OutKick, which we <laughs> endorse. OutKick.com, part of OutKick 360. Uh, and and le- let me say, the Major League Baseball ratings are back from 2020. They're up. NBA's not. NBA's not. And we, we have, a, as a society, have a problem with the length of Major League Baseball games and how boring the sport is. Meanwhile, I can tell you that 90% of these NBA games will be a seven points or less matchup with three minutes to play. And that's been going on for years. But yet, 34% drop in viewership over the last year. I mean, I can't, I can't think of a bigger reason is the issue that I'm pointing to. I mean, you, you can say it's other factors, but I can't think of a bigger issue for it. Now, a lot of people would argue Major League Baseball rating is going to tank because of the decision in Atlanta for the All-Star game, and they haven't at this point. I also think that there's a difference with a league making a decision about an All-Star game and uh, players in the league that you watch. I, I don't know that uh, there's this big issue with fans saying – you know, I'm not watching yeah. the Angels because Mike Trout is woke. Or I'm not watching uh, the Phillies but because... But you're doing that with LeBron. Because Andrew McCutcheon is, you know, whatever he may be. Like, I don't, I don't think that's as big of an issue. It's that, and I'll say it, LeBron James, a great player. He's yeah. killing the NBA. He's hurting the NBA with their fans. You can sit and argue if that's right or wrong. It doesn't matter. I'm speaking from a business perspective. He is turning a lot of America off. And in turn, people don't care as much about the Lakers. But here's the sad part about it. People are still going to tune the Lakers more than any other team because there's no true hero. That gets back to our original point. There's no true hero in the NBA right now. Maybe it is Giannis in the Bucks. Hell, I placed a futures bet on the Bucks at FanDuel Sportsbook to win the championship, I wonder, hoping that they'll win it. Because I'd like to see that franchise but and him win a title. They would have so, liked for him not to have missed however many games he missed with his ankle so he wasn't in a play-in game situation. And they weren't playing great before then anyway as, but, as a team but after winning the been, title. They probably would have been in a um, better situation. You know, what's interesting, though, is hypothetically, and, and I'm with Chad, I don't expect them to get bounced early, but hypothetically if they do, can the NBA capitalize on building not just new stars but new teams and interest if the Knicks continue to play well, if you can tell the Wizard story properly, if well, you have got, Giannis. They've got no choice, you, right? I mean, those well, are the, the storylines that are The other option there. would be that they don't capitalize and they just wait on LeBron to tip off the season next year well, and show him on national TV I every mean, week. Th- those storylines kind of have to emerge. Whether they can capitalize on them or not is a story that remains to be Well, that's my question. Be, can they seen. make people care? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, if the if the Knicks are one of them, I think New York will care, and New York caring goes a long way towards the NBA being more successful or not. I think they'd certainly prefer that than Atlanta winning the first round series, for sure. Yes. But but tell me what the other storylines are, are going to be. You know, the only Is Utah way. going to the finals going to be good for the NBA and create compelling storylines that are going to get me involved. No. Well, I mean, I, they should tell the Conley story better. Um, I mean, if you don't know that Mike Conley plays for the Utah Jazz, that's your problem with them being the one seed 
and and being in, and they're on Sports Center every night with the headlines because they're the one seed. They you know? but beyond that, they need to tell they need to tell that whole season story better yeah. instead of just showing. And again, it goes back to we're interested in Warriors Lakers. Right. And not interested in the the rest well, of this I think you're right, here. but how do they tell it better? They're kind of this at is, the at this a crossroad. Is also where I yeah, they think are. That, um, this is where I think the league, and probably a little bit unfairly, they're going to cast everything in the shadow of LeBron James. You know, going back to the, the political stuff with mm-hmm. LeBron. The LeBron is the star of the league, and LeBron says this on Twitter and does that. And now the whole league is quote-unquote woke, right? Well, that's probably a little bit unfair to a lot of the teams that aren't political at all uh, in the league. Maybe the Utah Jazz, for instance, or the Phoenix Suns, or go down the list. The Warriors and Steve Kerr, I mm-hmm. think, ca- cast a big shadow on that for people that would make that argument. But what does the league need to have happen for it to be at its height? I, I think they it have takes. To win. I mean, I. Paul's going to be pissed off at this, but I think it takes an apolitical superstar in New York, Boston, L.A., or someone approaching the level of Michael Jordan that can go somewhere and be a star and unite an entire region behind an NBA team. Well, he's not going to be Michael Jordan level. I think. Yeah, that's and I don't think you could get to that again, but... He's you saying know, the if, guy that can balance yes, both. It, like, uh, someone who is just all ball. That can go somewhere oh, and unite. You can get. If the Knicks got a superstar to go with Julius Randle today right now, and they're a number two or number one seed for four or five straight years, that brings basketball mm-hmm. back in New York City. Much more so than the Brooklyn Nets if they had having gotten star Zion, power. If they had gotten Zion. <laughs> See, n- n- now, now, now we're talking. All right, if they had gotten Zion and they were yeah. the third seed instead of the fourth seed and, and they were doing that, and he, I don't know, I don't even know how he's played this year. But would that be the cusp of what what we're talking about? And should they have made a cold envelope, the equivalent of a cold envelope there, for all the fixes in stuff we talk in the NBA? That seems to me like, like if you're going to line things up for yourself the way everybody thinks the NBA lines things up for themselves, that would have been a good proactive move. You're talking about uh, the the the. The storyline, the reinventing, the crossroads. You have an idea, or you're just saying they got to find the idea. I mean, they to tell they, the story better. If they want to grow the overall brand back to you know the the nightly occurrence of us paying attention to more than one series out of eight you know eight matchups that we're previewing. They they have to show these teams more. They have to be willing to show Utah on a on a nightly basis. And TNT's doing that to some extent because they have no other choice. They're the top team in the league, and you can build to big matchups throughout the season. But I mean, at a you, if they have the opportunity to show the seven seed Lakers or the one seed Utah Jazz, they're going to show the Lakers. Look, I'm a test case here. I, I'm a Knicks guy that's been out on the NBA for a long time. I'm going to dip my toe in the water on the Knicks in this series. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to sit down and watch three hours, but I'm going to, you know, I'll right. give them a half an hour at a certain point in time. Does this team grab me? Does the telecast grab me? If it does, I'll come back for more. If it doesn't, it's not going to be hard for me not to watch much more than the highlights. So I'll be a test case here for us to a degree. We need more of uh Steph Curry's shirtless celebration yesterday. Just a raw, emotional moment. Winning the scoring title and in, the paying, fi- in the finale. Paying tribute to Baron Davis, a former Golden State Warrior also, with his uh, celebration. But 
Um, you, you need – passion unites people at times. And I think that for too long, the NBA, when I see how the NBA is covered, when I see how it's written about, it's a very snarky, um, almost it's completely clubby. detached type mentality about it where you're talking about players and not teams as much and how these guys would play together and would they get along and this and that in far less passion. It's not a sport that invokes – passionate responses from fans of individual teams. I'm more into and watching. I, I think it needs to get back to more of that yeah. true anger and passionate responses I don't from know if fans we can get back there. And, and teams. I'm and more players. into watching Steph Curry warm up than I'm into watching <laughs> Steph Curry <laughs> yes. play. I mean, that, but I watched Steph Curry bury two threes oh. to put the Grizz away yesterday. I'm watching it live, and that place is going nuts in San Francisco. And he's got the shirt off, and he's getting the crowd. And I'm thinking, yes, more of this. More of you and your fans going crazy in a playoff atmosphere where you can feel the crowd. Uh, Damian Lillard's shot, you know, years ago where that, that you have the overhead shots of, in Portland where everyone goes nuts. That, to me, is what's going to get a sport back. And I just think that the way the league is covered, the people who write about it, the people who talk about it the most – it's just not for a large portion of America well, that want to watch sports because they want to actually feel like they can the, get into something to the level that is disproportionate to what, how they should get into it. Correct me. Right? We should be a little more crazy about it than we should be. Is it, we should take it out of perspective at some time. Is it Giannis become. the closest we have to that? Because we, we, we gravitated to Kawhi Leonard. You know, you mentioned the shot by – you mentioned the shot. But He's a great the top example. ten shots in NBA history yeah. is that one that he hit in the corner that bounced around that dropped in for the Raptors. Were we there with them at the beginning of that run or not until they started going? Uh, no, they got – not until they started going in the so postseason. that's what we need Because we didn't believe in Toronto because Toronto had been there and been close but had never knocked down the door. And, and they, they finally did it, you know. And uh, they go on to beat the, the Warriors that year. Uh, Raptors, um, and, and then he leaves. So it's not, it's certainly not Durant, but Giannis is is next in line for me because he stayed where he was. He signed that million, multi million dollar contract to stay in Milwaukee, and now can he go and do that title run? I think that Giannis could become Dirk Nowitzki, and what I mean by that is that Mavs Heat Finals rated great mm -hmm. when they went head to head, and the Mavs won their title. Um, and, and just those series because it did become good versus bad in the eyes of a lot. Here is Dirk Nowitzki who stayed one place his whole career. And even though he's German, he's foreign, he's not American, America got behind him because they were going against LeBron James and the supergroup that all teamed up to go to Miami, you know, a franchise that not as many people care about. Right. And most of America got behind that story. I think that Giannis, even though he's not from here, is a guy that could unite people in that way because he took a chance on Milwaukee being the team that he's going to win titles with. So if Milwaukee continues to be a power player and gets up that level, I think that to me is the comparison. Could Giannis and Milwaukee get to the point of Dirk Nowitzki, late career, winning a title with Dallas, making that type of run? I think that would be pretty cool to watch. And being a career guy for them. Yes. And that's what it would take. So he's he's really the the big hope from from this argument that you're that you're wanting to reach out and yeah. And I, have, this you know? is where I think that because um, Curry's now what thirty three. Well, immediately you brought the Raptors, and I think uh, Canadian 
not going to be a uniting factor. That's why people didn't get behind them as much as they would another team. Then I think Giannis, and I think foreign. But even Kawhi a lot of wanted out of San Antonio. Fans, that's an issue at times. But I don't think it was an issue for Dirk Nowitzki, who's from yeah. Germany. I think American fans had no problem rooting for Dirk to win his title. I'm just trying to think of the last individual that we got. It was Kawhi Leonard and the way that he led that team to a championship, even though he had had left San Antonio to end up in Toronto. And and now you've got Giannis, who has has been there and decided to stay, decided to stay in the small market. Uh, But Milwaukee's going to have to go through, um, well, they've got to get through Miami in round one. But after that, Brooklyn. After that, potentially the Knicks, if not the Knicks, Philadelphia. So they're going to have to beat these big market teams that everyone in the national media is going to be behind. That's yep. just the fact of it. Well, and who are the, I mean, the Lakers are going to be the seven seed at best, right? Yep. And who are the two favorites to play in the finals? It's the Lakers and the Nets. Why? Star power. That's it. I mean, I have a hard time picking those teams to lose in a best-of-seven series because LeBron James and Anthony Davis and then the big three with Brooklyn, even though they're going up against teams that had better seasons, I don't think it's going to matter. What is lacking from the NFL offseason right now? We'll tell you that as rookie minicamps were underway this weekend. That is straight ahead. What's not lacking are your options with Renters Warehouse. Love, love, love talking about Renters Warehouse. I've talked about them for years. And what's great about a company like Renters Warehouse is they find ways to help you and your financial situation. Question for you. Do you own rental property and need cash? Are you worried about receiving rent on time? These are uncertain times for so many people, especially when you're trying to find renters for your rental property. You can get the most out of your real estate investment by receiving a full year of rent paid up front. You heard me correctly. That's up to a year of rent payments in your pocket right now. By giving your money up front, Renters Warehouse helps minimize risk and provides financial flexibility so you can build long-term wealth. Renters Warehouse, Nashville's leader in property management, is the only company providing upfront rent. The upfront rent program is available for a limited time. Call Renters Warehouse Nashville. That number, you can see it on the screen, 615-398- 9550 or visit rwnashville.com to see if you qualify. Renterswarehouse.com, helping maximize your property investment potential. Do it the Renters Warehouse way and get tomorrow's rent today. NFL headlines from the weekend next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. The NFL dominates 12 months out of the year. You can always find a great discussion point in sports around the National Football League. But they're lacking this time of year, right after the NFL draft. And this is by their own doing, by their own rules and setups within organizations. They had rookie minicamps happen right after all the hype of the draft. Headline after headline after headline after headline. Things are opened up for reporters to go in and observe and then these reporters are told they're not allowed to report anything that they observe Uh, handcuffed to the information that we get after players are drafted and signed as undrafted free agents the biggest headline from the weekend of nfl camps being open is the prank that was pulled on a player at austin p for showing up because he thought he was being invited for a tryout 
when in fact someone was pranking him on a cell phone pretending to be defensive coordinator Dean Pease. A player from Austin P who didn't even participate in drills is the headline across the league because of the reporter's lack and ability to report on things that they observe because teams and the league itself won't allow it right now in May. It's ridiculous. They should allow for more things, more tidbits, more nuggets to be out there instead of reading the rumors and what end up being facts from Peter King and Adam Schefter after the fact. Whenever they call around to individual teams and ask how things are going, they get more information than the local reporters in each individual NFL city. I feel like I'm, I should have saved this for primary complaint, but it, there, there's a lack of NFL headlines when roll. right now there should be a plethora of them because every team had rookies on the field. Well, we'll talk more about this in the Tennessee Power Hour coming up. I was at the Titans rookie minicamp practice on Saturday, one of three that's open to the media. Um, you know, and I'm always going to want more rather than less. So I'm completely on board with what Hutton's saying, and I agree with it. You know, I watched uh, the Titans' second-round pick offensive lineman Dylan Raidens. Raidens. Um, you know, and I saw him being coached. Now, I could write broadly that, you know, he picked up on a, a strong coaching point um, and executed it, you know, from one snap to another snap. So that's an encouraging thing for a Titans fan to know that this guy is picking up on things well. But it'd be much more interesting if I could tell you this is not giving away the house what this coaching point is. It's a basic, but you know, offensive line theme here. But if I could tell you a little bit about the interaction between this coach and this player, it would be meat on the bone for a Titans fan. And it's not giving away anything. Now, at least in a previous time, I could, I don't want to say bait, it's not trickery, but I could ask Mike Vrabel in a personal conversation a question about it or Raiden's about it mm -hmm. in a way that could get them talking about it, which then, then frees me to write about it. But when I'm just on a Zoom call with them both, I, do well, I want to waste my one question on asking that thing and whatever to unlock it? It's too complicated. There and is. I'm not blaming the Titans on this. The biggest story that came out this weekend from a camp was Travis Etienne in Jacksonville working as wide a receiver. wide receiver. Yeah. Well, Urban Meyer, I'm sure, gave that up, right? If he <laughs> right. doesn't give that up, there was a scenario where he could have worked that way for three days and Jacksonville writers not been able to write about it. And I think they let them write about it so he could fully, they could fully contextualize it. The story is that for this camp and at this stage, they're going to work him as a wide receiver because once everybody's around, they know he could work as a running back and they want to layer on top of that him doing wide receiver things so he could be a fully well-rounded weapon. Now, if, that's a good story, but there's one. If you are using the excuse that there is a competitive advantage to a practice that took place over this past week in the middle of May, you are a loser. That's that's just how I describe you. GTF. If you were referencing a practice in May and how it's going to affect September the 12th, With, you are a loser. There's no full offense, no full defense. Well, there's a show that I love that I talk a lot about, For All Mankind. I'm trying to get everyone <laughs> to watch it, right? Part of the For All Mankind plot is the Soviets in the United States in this space race and technology hiding their secrets from the opposition so they don't get the keys to get to Mars quicker or to build a bigger space station on the moon. They're not trying to give away their science and their tech. 
to the USSR or the Soviets aren't trying to give it to the United States. NFL organizations treat rookie minicamps <laughs> like a damn map to Mars that they're protecting. What are they possibly doing There's not that much they going can't on show either. the league what they're doing? It is very simple, and we love sports for a number of reasons. One of them is how simple football can be. It takes better players that are developed better than other teams, paired with good coaches who make good in-game decisions, and good scheme. There's not a single scheme out there that these football coaches that have reached the National Football League level have not seen at some point. There is no state secret that you can protect. The Manhattan Project is not happening at whatever sports park, medical facility, named it, over in Nashville or any other place. Right. Oppenheimer is not creating the (laughs) atom bomb inside a bubble of one of these teams with a bunch of rookies as you're showing them pad leverage. (laughs) I don't understand why they protect it like they're in the Central Intelligence Agency, and I never will. There is nothing that needs to be protected at rookie minicamps. Blocking, tackling, running. Look, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm. Oh my not gosh, the, that drill that I saw—I've never seen before. I'm not, the, use that? I'm not the source of this complaint, but because I'm, I'm resigned to it uh, all, already. And here's the here's the counterbalance to this, Hutton. They don't care well, that the stories coming out aren't interesting because there are stories coming out. I know, and we're still going to talk about them, and everybody's still uh, pro football well, talk. NFL, still has a list of the stories. NFL dominates because they're entertaining. It's they, not entertaining. This right? part, of, this time of the year, is a complete bore. I mean, what happens at these camps? They want to act like it's all secretive behind lock and key. They're learning how to stretch properly for when the veterans show up in training camp, and they don't have to teach these guys what to do. Uh, they're laying the foundation and groundwork for how to practice with their NFL organization. That's, That's all it. this is. And somebody today in the Nashville market, one of us heard today, commended Des Fitzpatrick for his limberness. <laughs> During stretch, <laughs> and actually said correctly, you heard this that that this is going he's to be a key of him that. making this team. Is this right? This was uh, this is something. It was something that was said, but the person was quoting uh, someone else who wrote it. As that, if a that fourth was, round uh, pick complimenting is getting cut. Des Fitzpatrick yeah. for on, not being tight on, on his flexibility <laughs> during the stretch period. He's <laughs> flexible. A fourth round receiver is flexible, ladies and gentlemen. But isn't it oh. amazing that there's such a wide gap between NFL interest and every other sport? And I would put even college football on that list. Product. I really it's think it's product. NFL and then probably college football second in America, but it's such a wide gap between the two. I think a lot of other niche sports gaining in popularity has contributed to that because interest is spread out. But everyone's interested in the NFL. So they can do whatever they want. We can, I can sit here and complain about it and say they're treating it like they're scientists protecting secrets, but the bottom line is we're still going to care regardless of how much access they give reporters. It's just not going to change anything. That's how wide the gap is in interest and how important the NFL is right now. I think they could even argue because of their big-headedness about it, it, it creates more intrigue. It even well, creates like, more intrigue. Part of this, this is also a media issue. As a media, as a sports media, we play in to these big headlines. Oh, rookie minicamp took place, and we're not allowed to report on anything, but here's a big headline. You know, it, it's it's boring. 
and and the media wants to act like it's some breaking news every day within this no. league. When we're here to tell you, like, because of these restrictions, there's there's nothing interesting that's out there there's right now. There's nothing new, you could write new. off of this practice. Everything this that's weekend. being discussed is either off the field, or it is rumor and or in some again some cases it's it's rumor and fact both, where national reporters are telling us about Aaron Rodgers and what the Packers are wanting in return. Those types of details. It's not about what just happened here, and the league has an opportunity to create fresh storylines by allowing good reporters some one-on-one -on -one access with a coach. How, how dare they speak with a coach right now that's not on a Zoom chat? I don't, it, it's not allowed unless it's in a group setting. I, to me, that, that they're missing. It's a, it's a swing and a miss on the league right now for a, a sports public that's sitting around on the device Percy. looking for a reason to talk more football. I don't think you can be oversaturated with it right now. I really don't. No. And the things you get out of this, look, I wrote a, you know, what did I write? A notes column. Which was very good yeah, for you what did you're a, allowed you, to you do. You did a good most, job of making of it somewhat yeah. interesting. For what you're allowed to do, column. but you're also gleaning from a chat where you had 40 other media members. Right. Taking I, didn't, I didn't quote anybody. But my point is you're asking a question that 39 other people get to hear the answer to. There's no immediate access. And no, look, here, here, here are the two draft picks. Here are the two draft picks running a ladder. Look, the first guy, the fourth round pick, looks okay. Needs some polish. Here's the sixth round draft pick. Clearly, not very good at it yet. That's the extent of the kind of stuff you're going to get out of something like that. <laughs> are you eating that up? For the sake of my website business, I hope so. Yes, and from the topics that we'll this, have this This week, one was a free one. Go read it. It's, it didn't be, cost you a penny. Our, our, our pledge is we are going to be more entertaining than an NFL rookie minicamp weekend uh, regurgitated headlines from a local and national media. A guy's limber. He's um, limber. Coming up, playoffs begin right here in our city and for the Nashville Predators across the NHL. We'll get into that. We will talk some specifics about the Titans today. We'll get into some headlines that we do want to discuss with some coaches and, and some new players and, and some of what Paul did write and, and was able to observe. Plenty of storylines there. Rashad Weaver was there this weekend. We'll, we'll discuss Vrabel's comments and what he did have to say uh, after the practice. That is all straight ahead on the Tennessee Power Hour for OutKick 360. Hang with us. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.